free throw line, to the goal line, to the baseline. If it's game day, these Wildcat ladies will get their blue on. And then they'll tell you all about it, right here, right now. If you're a member of the Big Blue Nation, you know what to expect from these two. Their loyal support of the University of Kentucky sports program will not get in the way of their hard-hitting, in-your-face opinions of any subpar performances, including those of the fan base. If you're brave enough to voice your opinion or just want to be a part of the action, call in at 646-716-4741 or tweet to Big Blue Views. Ready to play ball? Then let's welcome the hosts of Big Blue Views with more than their fair share of swagger and southern sass. Michelle Brown and Kristen York. And good evening, Big Blue Nation. It is Big Blue Views, December 14th. Great show for you tonight. Right, Kristen? Absolutely. We have Jay Williams already on the line. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll just skip over all the pleasantries and say hello, Jay. Great to have you back. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be back. I'm sorry I missed you guys the last time. Work, work, work always calls, you know? Well, Well, you know, there were a few people in the Big Blue Nation that said you didn't call in because you knew Kentucky was going to beat Duke that week. (laughs) You know what's so funny about Kentucky and Duke fans is that they think because I went to school at Duke, like I also like I'm a a homer for Duke. And the fact of the matter is I'm a homer for my job. I won a championship (laughs) there. I will always have affiliation with Coach K. I love him. He's a great man. Still serves as a role model in my life. But I don't really care when Duke loses. I don't really care when Duke wins. I don't really care when Kentucky loses or when Kentucky wins. I I love watching a good game, and I'm always going to be real and honest about whether I think a team is good enough to win a championship or whether they were good enough to win that game in that moment or their flaws. Or I mean, the first game against Kentucky, I said I didn't know who Grayson Allen was. I challenged Grayson Allen, and he didn't show up. And then he's obviously been showing up through the rest of the year. But So I have no problem challenging both fan bases. I love what I do. And and we appreciate that. That's how kind you're uh, – I defend you on Twitter a lot of times when people say he's being a Duke homer, and I'm like, he's being real. That's what we like about you. You know what, though, you know what, you know what though Michelle? It's, so I, I've learned this about my job uh, about five, six years ago because I used to be really concerned about what everybody thought. So, <clears throat> prime example, with Duke fans, right? If I were to criticize Grace Allen, people were saying, oh, you're trying to be overly unbiased. You know, you're just killing us because you want to prove that, you know, you could talk about other schools. And then when I say something positive about Duke, they're like, oh, well, you know what? Like, of course you're going to say something positive about Duke. You're a homer. Or when I say something positive about Kentucky, oh, you're just trying to prove that, you know, you don't like Duke and blah, blah, blah. Or if I say something negative about Kentucky, Duke homer. So eventually I get to the point where, like, I don't care what the heck you have to think. I'm just going to say how I truly feel. So. That's just the way it is, you know? But I appreciate you defending yourself. I always do. I see what you write. And the same way here is that I knew 
whenever you spoke those harsh words about Kentucky after the EKU game or during it, whichever it was, that you were just being real. And it's for UK fans, sometimes real is a tough pill to swallow whenever we're not doing fantastic. Well, it, it, it's just, you know, it's it's an honest opinion. And I think sometimes, you know, when you when you think about Kentucky and, look, the, the expectations are there to win a championship. That's what you guys want to do. You want to win a championship, especially considering, you know, what happened last year or that team being 38-1. and one. So, you know, when I, when I look at Kentucky, when I start breaking down Kentucky as a team, I don't look at the Kentucky team that's playing against Eastern Kentucky, right, like, why do I need to worry about Eastern Kentucky? No offense to Eastern Kentucky, but right. Kentucky should beat them by 50, right? I look at I look at it from the landscape where I'm saying, okay, how can this Kentucky team not only win the SEC, but how can they win the NCAA tournament? So that's how that's my perspective on when I you know articulate what I think about them, and I I look at them and I'm like, all right, well, who's the leader? You know, who needs to get tougher? Is, is Scal really where you guys need him to be to win a championship? No. Right? Um, is your front court really where you guys need them to be to win a championship? No, I I think they're maturing and they're growing that way. But you know, in that game against UCLA, they got a little bit punked, and that that's also the sign of a young team, which you guys are. Uh, last year was a different scenario. You guys were young, but you played old because you had that kind of talent. This year's team is going to be a completely different scenario, and doesn't mean they can't win a championship because they can. It's just going to be a different growth process. Well, wouldn't you agree, even though the, you know, I know last year I think our team was considered younger than this year's team, but the ones that we had returning this season uh, outside of Alex Poitras and Marcus Lee uh, and Tyler Euless, the rest of them didn't really see a lot of playing time. So I think maybe in terms of experience, we may be younger than last year. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you. You know, it, um, and first off, it's, it, it makes me laugh even more, guys, because I'm not saying anything that Calipari isn't saying. I, I talk to Cal, okay? It's not like I'm getting my opinion about this team out of thin air. I've been around this team at the fantasy camp. I've been around them, you know, when they've done different Midnight Madness opportunities and stuff like that. So I, I'm, I'm saying exactly what Cal is saying, but fans are hearing it from me thinking that I'm biased, in my opinion. So it, it's it's funny and and I firmly do believe it. Like, you know, like when I, I, I talked to Tyler Eulis about this during the combine, I'm like, yo, T. Eulis, like you need to be that dude on this team in order for you guys to win a chip. What do I mean by that dude? You're the one guy on this team who can demand greatness from everybody else. So when Scow wants to shoot a fadeaway hook because he's getting a little bit soft or he might be going through, hey, I haven't played at this level before, that's where you need to grab him by the jersey pull him down to your five foot eleven level and say, look, Scal, get your head out of your rear end and dunk on him next time and yell at him next time, Scal. Like, hey, Jamal, like, I don't want you just to settle for shooting jump shots. I want you to come to the rim and attack. He needs to get that aspect out of his personality out because he has it. Because that team, that team, it, it, needs, it needs a leader from that capacity in order for them to win a championship. And I think he's the one guy that can show that he has that. He just hasn't found that all the way yet. You've seen it in spurts, but it needs to be a little bit more consistent. Now, speaking of Tyler Uless and Scal, this was a little bit of a moment of contention within the Big Blue Nation. I think I understand your position. Some people had a hard time seeing Tyler shove him a little bit or push him in the chest to try to get his attention. 
I don't think me or Michelle had a problem with it. We actually found it, uh, we found it to be a little bit of a powerful moment. So what, what would you say to the people who who maybe thought it was distasteful? <laughs> um, I think we, we live in a world now that's so different. Uh, you know, it, our world is so sensitive um, about every little thing. And, and look, when when you're in the midst of battle, right, and, and that's what the – I'm not saying it's battle like the U.S. Army battle. I'm not comparing it to, okay? But when when you're an athlete and you're a competitor and these guys want to win the game, sometimes you, you need somebody to grab you or to do something that grabs your attention, right? You're you're lost in battle. Like you, you want to, especially on the road. I mean, how many – we just saw North Carolina lose on the road at Texas, right? Um, how, not a lot of big-time teams play true road games. And it's a great learning opportunity for a lot of younger players. T. Ulos has been there. So, you know, I, I'm not going to be one of those guys as an ex-player that's going to say, oh, I thought I was this pace the way, you know, T. Ulos went in and kind of, you know, tried to get a point across to Scal. I, I love that kind of stuff. I want somebody to get in my face. Sometimes as a player, it's easy to get lost into what you're trying to accomplish, especially for a young player like Scal. Think about what he's having to deal with, right? People are talking about him being a top ten lottery pick. I mean, maybe we didn't have to think about this last year as much with Carl Anthony Towns and these guys, but because they were dominating people. But people are talking about you being a top ten draft pick, right? And almost in a way, you still don't understand. You don't know. Forget the NBA. You're still trying to figure out the college game, right? You're still trying to figure out John Calipari and what his expectations for are for you every single night. What it is to actually play hard. You think Scouts actually had to play hard consistently? And to dominate people in high school? No. He, he's like having to learn how to play every single night to be that Kentucky guy now where, yeah, I'm sorry, it's the fact of the matter. You're going to be criticized and scrutinized every night on TV because you're Kentucky. You're going to have a big X on your back, and a team like Eastern Kentucky is going to want to try to beat your head in because you're Kentucky. You know, you're, you're going to have people that are going to say, hey, I think this big guy, you know, if that's, you know, Harris over at Texas A&M or he might be a better big than, than Scow. You're going to have those comparisons. Now you're in the limelight. It's a lot to live with. So as a player, if you're not performing great on that level at a road game at UCLA that's on national television, sometimes you need your leader to get in your face and be like, yo, snap out of it. Let's go. Like, turn it around because it's easy to get lost in yourself. I've been there and I've done that. Uh, were you the one that made the comparison or, or said there's a difference in – Players that play hard but aren't necessarily competing hard. Uh, that that was Seth Greenberg. So, yes, I knew, I knew you all had the conversation, and there is a difference. Wholeheartedly, I mean, it's um, when when you compete, right? And I think all these kids are trying to learn how to get to that level. Um, it's I'm almost in a way looking. At, I want to beat you at everything that you do, everything, right? And I think in order to compete, you need to be in great shape. So, and also playing hard is very subjective, right? I mean, you could think, Michelle, you could think that you're doing the best job at doing your podcast, right? But you could have somebody who's, a, you know, somebody who's maybe done a podcast for 60 years who's like, okay, well, you know, I think you can do A, B, C, D, and E a lot better, and this is how you get there. All of a sudden, it provides a new perspective for you. We're like, whoa, what? I didn't know I could – okay, like let me take that into consideration and maybe I, I could be better at this. It's the same way with my job. How can I become a better analyst? I have people that say, hey, you need to do this. Okay, great. So as a player, when you come in, the standard is so low that 
you can't compare playing hard in high school compared to playing hard in college. They're two completely different things, especially when you need to compete, right? And I, I think what we mean by that is, you know, Eastern Kentucky was a game where I kind of went on my rant, and I think it kind of sparked up some interest with Kentucky fans. It's it's like little things. Like if there's a loose ball, like I, I think there's some players on Kentucky right now that would try to bend down at the waist to pick up the loose ball. player wants to beat Kentucky so bad that they would dive on the floor for that loose ball. And there's some times where I watch Kentucky play, and I just don't know if they want to beat that team so badly yet because they're expected to beat that team, right? And it's just it's a, it's a matter of learning how to become, okay, we're always the hunted, but we need to become the hunter. And that takes time to get that point across to a young team. Is that making sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And, and I, I like that she takes time to explain that because I, I get frustrated when I hear people say that some of our players aren't playing hard, and I think that they actually truly believe that they're putting forth that effort, but they haven't learned how to compete hard. Exactly. And it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a knock. I mean, a lot of kids, most of the kids on college don't know how to compete each and every night. They're all trying to learn. And, look, there's no doubt Kentucky is they're, – they're, they're ahead above hills over other teams, right? Like, they're top five team in the nation. Um, and they're going to have to learn how to can play, like, you know, sustain that level of just aggressiveness consistently. And if you guys are in a great position. They're in a great spot. Um, so that wasn't a knock on anybody personally. It was just more of a knock on the, the mindset of kids coming out of high school, coming to the collegiate level. And sometimes when we're on halftime, you don't get a chance to say all that. It's more, you know, look, people think that, you know, we're doing these halftime shows. We have literally a minute to talk about teams, right? So I don't get a chance to expound the way I'm expounding now. So you say what you feel in that in that moment because it, me, I, I go based upon – I'm a passionate player. So when I watch guys play, I'm like, is he playing with passion? Is he playing with that sense of urgency that this is it? You know, and I think that's still something that Kentucky can get better at, which is a scary thing about this team. Now, what do you make of Scal's disappearing act on the court? And should it worry him that this team found a way to play at a high level without him as they played in the second half uh, against ASU? Well, <laughs> Scow is Scow. Uh, he is he, he he's not. You know, it, it's. <laughs> I, I think all of us have gotten a little bit spoiled. I think last year spoiled a lot of Kentucky fans. And what I mean by that is, you had a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, where John Calipari can sit and yell at him, and he would respond. Right. Um, right. The other players that they, he can talk to them that way. Not not everybody can handle that. Not everybody can handle the pressure that comes along with playing at Kentucky. We're talking about different human beings here. And, and Scow seems a little bit more reserved. He seems a little bit more shy. He's still trying to find that inner roar. You know what I mean? He's still trying to find that inner lion. Because I don't think he's ever had it before. I'm not saying he can't develop it because he most definitely can. But, you know, Cal's trying to bring that out of him. I, I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing that they're learning how to play without him and they're playing at a high level. I think, you know, that, that's, good. that's a good thing because it's going to force me, hey, look, you know, we, we want to have you here, but, you know, we need you to be great in order for us to win a championship. And Cal knows that. So trying to bring him along is, is definitely part of the process. It's just going to take some time. Not everybody comes in and is a, is a dominant player. Some players, it takes 
maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 games to kind of get it going and, you know, also be brought up. But also that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a top 15 pick if he doesn't find that inner roar. The thing about the NBA, too, they're basing things upon potential about where you can be in 10 years from now. So I think that's also a conundrum that Cal has and a lot of these coaches who have these kids who are so talented they can leave school early. You know, how, am I pressing your button too hard? Am I not pressing it enough? Do I need to communicate with you differently? Do I need to communicate with this kid last year who was in the same position? Because all these kids have egos and all these kids are, are different. And, and I think that's a challenge. And and that's a, a very fair point to bring up because I think Cal had mentioned back in uh, you know 2010 when he had the John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins team that he, he was able to yell more at John Wall and he would sometimes yell at John Wall when he wanted to get on DeMarcus Cousins because DeMarcus did not respond to the yelling as as, as positively as John Wall did. But somehow that, that so works. So I think maybe it's uh, find the same kind of balance with Cal. And that's still the case for, for Boogie today, isn't it? I mean, you see the way uh, George Carl yelled at him. They had that whole thing at the beginning. So it, it's, you know, players are different. And I think that's what makes the great coaches great, where they learn how to, you know, for me, I like to be yelled at. I like when somebody got in my face. That made me, you know, I, I became so angry at them that that translated for me on the court. For other players on my team, he might need to watch film with somebody right, and talk you through the process. Or he might need to find, hey, you know, whoever the point guard, whoever the leader is, he might say, I need you to take this player and spend some time with him off the court and watch tape and you know, help him develop because I don't, there are different ways that you can communicate with players, and it's not all one way. So most definitely, and, I, you know, Cal is one of the best at doing so. The, the, the good problem that, you know, I've always said about Kentucky, you guys are learning. It's a crash course, okay? You guys are, are learning how to compete and win at a high level while you're winning games. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a great thing. Our friend on Twitter, uh, her name is Selena, at Mrs. Lost Coach, she wanted to know, and I think I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. I'm sure she wouldn't mind. She wants to know if you think Scal should stay. And I guess in the sense, will he have to stay if he don't kind of find his way this season, or will he just go later in the draft, do you believe? I, I think Scal should do whatever in the best interest for him and his family. And th- this is where I compartmentalize that, that thought. Would I want him to skate, stay because I think he could be a better basketball player and his body could mature? Yes. I, I think that would be a, a great thing for any player to spend a couple of years in college. But then also the same, the financial aspect of it, I think Scal needs to do what Scal needs to do for his family. And who are we to tell him that he shouldn't? Uh, everybody else is able to capitalize on the free market in college, right? Uh, presidents, uh, their contracts get negotiated, right? So a president can get a better deal at Notre Dame and then leave Kentucky for Notre Dame. A coach can get a better deal at another school and leave that school for another school. Uh, everybody can profit but the player. And then sometimes as a fan, and we say, oh, he needs to stay. I'm like, well, no, he needs to do whatever is best for Scal. And it may not, you know, who knows? It Maybe – the NBA game might be a little bit better suited for him than the college game because of how many people can sit in the paint and there's no illegal defense. And, you know, is he, is he getting the same kind of skill work on the, in the league level that he got in college? So Scal needs to do whatever is best in Scal's best interest. I love that answer, and I agree wholeheartedly with it. We don't know their stories or what their – 
personal needs are, and it's not our decision to make for them. So we're on the same page on that one, Jay. I get you. I mean, look, I always want to see guys stay around, right, because as a fan, I can put it in the fan shoe for a second. Like, I'm selfish, right? I want to see games with guys who actually know how to play the game. I want to see games with guys who've been on the same team for two or three years, and I get that, but those days are over. I mean, it is, is it a free cap mark and market? And I, who am I to tell a kid that he should stay in school for his education? You know, or that, I mean, and even if he does stay one more year, is okay, he's getting another year of school, but, I mean, is I don't know if Scout has interest to, to graduate from school, and, and I'm not judging that at all. Like, I, everybody's different. I mean, I still know guys that play in the league that haven't gone back to school. You you go, I almost feel in a way, like you go to school, kids these days, get, they go to school to get a, a great job, right? So it, it's almost a, it's, it's a resume builder. So when I walk into J.P. Morgan, hey, look, I graduated from Kentucky, and I graduated in finance. Great. So isn't Scal doing the same exact thing? I mean, he's using his athletic skill for his resume for the NBA. Um, who am I to tell him not to do something? Well, and another thing in Kentucky that uh, seems to not get a lot of national attention are the number of players that actually come back in the summer and work on continuing their degrees. Mm -hmm. So just because they leave early doesn't mean they've pissed off education, and I think maybe more fans need to understand that aspect as well. I would agree with you. Well, let's talk about UNC for just a minute. I know you touched on them earlier. <laughs> now, now with their two losses to Northern Iowa and to Texas, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know Kentucky's struggle is immaturity, and that can resolve itself over time. But what is UNC's, UNC's kink in their armor? Well, at first, I think people are blowing things out of proportion, you know, um, and fans love to do this where it's like, well, oh, well, you know, <laughs> Well, we beat this team, so that means that you know we can beat that team. And it's like it's it's almost the same conversation that we had about ASU the other night, right? It's like I've had a lot of Kentucky fans like, oh, well, look, well, you know, ASU beat Texas A&M, and we just beat ASU, so that means we're definitely going to beat Texas A&M. I'm like, well, hold on a second, like Kentucky didn't go to ASU and play on their home court. Like, I think sometimes fans forget how difficult it is to play a true road game, especially it's not in your conference, right? Um, I, so I don't look at the loss that UNC has at Texas as like, oh, now they have a chink in their armor. I think that's where college basketball is. I think you have a lot of teams that aren't in the top 25 that can beat teams in the top 25. Uh, and, and Texas has – I would love to see Kentucky play at Texas. I think it would be a, a hell of a basketball game. I mean, Texas has a front line that's bigger than some front lines in the NBA with Cameron Ridley, who's 6'10", with Connor Lambert who's almost like a David Lee type of player, not saying he is, but he plays similar to David Lee. Um, you know, he's 6'9", 6'10". They have Prince Eba, who's 6'11". Uh, and they bang down low. And they have guards who are long, athletic, you know, love to run. So North Carolina is still really a good basketball team. They're a team that could win a championship. Um, but it's hard to go play a true road game in college basketball in general. A lot of these games that we see, some of these big-time matchups, are at neutral courts. Still, to go play somebody else on the road in their safe haven where they're shooting every single day, with those kind of fans in your face, it as a player that means something. It go it goes a long way. 
Well, I'm I'm going to switch gears on you for just a second because I did have one message I was supposed to deliver to you because uh, later in our podcast, Cameron Mills is going to be joining us as a guest uh, and his uh, his radio show co-host, Johnny Pittman. And Johnny said I was to be sure and let you know that you were just Cameron's warm-up act tonight. <laughs> I, I, I was what? You're Cameron's warm-up act tonight. Oh, uh, well... Anyway, Johnny's a, a great guy, and he uh, he he was really hoping you were going to be able to uh, join uh, their show this weekend. Hoping you were going to be in New York to be checking out the cats. But um, anyway, you, you mentioned a little bit ago about how sensitive people are these days, and and how you have to kind of it, it's like no matter what you say, you're going to offend somebody. And I've got to tell you, Saturday when the whole shoe controversy blew up. I was, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I had to laugh because uh, the, the lady that brought that to your attention when you said that uh, uh, you didn't, they were ugly uh, shoes. you didn't like Briscoe's shoes, and, and quite <laughs> frankly, I didn't either. I'm, I'm sorry. But, uh, I mean, if you're going to play for Kentucky, you wear blue shoes or you wear white shoes, or I'll, I'll take black because it's neutral, but red and green. Anyway, it was my friend that uh, mentioned that you were uh, attacking a player, and I thought that was just absolutely ludicrous. I mean, <laughs> well, I laugh, well, just to let you know, I laughed at it too. I said, "So wait, I'm bashing a player because I said his shoes are ugly." Well, first off, one of the best things is Matt Jones. You know, for KSR, he's one of my good friends. He, I didn't even know he said the same thing too. I was just, you're, you're sitting there, and I'm in the studio. I'm like, wait, okay, everybody else is wearing these white shoes, and. These guys, these guys were in the Kobe 10, the Easter version. I'm like, what the heck? Are, those are horrific. Those are horrible. Oh, my God. Why would he wear that? And so, like, you know, but you know my personality. I don't care what people say. Like, I, I thought the shoes were horrible, and I said, hey, like, I, I don't think that those were fashionably in-style shoes. But, you know what? I, I love Isaiah, though. Isaiah is my boy. So I've known him, watched him play in Jersey. So I have relationships with all players like that, too. So, you know, and I don't mind if people make fun of me. So, you know, why not have that that jovial attitude when you talk about basketball? We're talking about sports, right? It's it's funny. And and also, you know, my last point on this, college is like almost becoming similar to the NBA, right? So people don't get sensitive when Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and those guys, they have fun like when Shaq's in like a fool, right? So we don't get sensitive with that stuff. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, that, oh, that's fair play because now they're pros. Well, they, these guys are almost pros too. I mean, the, the TV rights are making the same kind of money or maybe close to more that they're making off college basketball. Coaches are getting paid now more than ever. I mean, the only people who aren't getting paid money are the kids. So, like, why not have a little fun and you could be relaxed and not take everything so seriously? So, I don't know. It's uh, I laugh at stuff like that, so I enjoy it. Well, that, my, my response exactly was that you weren't attacking a player. I said there's a huge difference from attacking a player and attacking a fashion choice. You know, if you had exactly. said his game was as ugly as his shoes, that might be attacking the player, or at least closer <laughs> to it. That would have been funny. <laughs> but, but you can't say that because, quite frankly, Briscoe has got a very fine game. But we'll, we'll, we'll uh, yeah. hold well, we'll let the jury say, you know, they're not back in entirely because we're only a third of the way through the season. 
But uh, we did get another question that came in. Um, sure. Uh, this is about LSU, and it said Ben Simmons obviously can't do everything himself. This is from uh, Mac Attack BBN. So do you have any thoughts on LSU and if they can even think about a run in March? I, I, I don't see LSU being a team getting to the Final Four. I think LSU is – they're very talented. I, they could beat anybody. I still think they're, they lack in that maturity aspect. Now, they don't have Keith Bourne to be back. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, one of their best shooters. Uh, they also have a big who's been out who just transferred in who's pretty good. I mean, they're very talented. I mean, Samson and the company. Antonio Blakeney needs to be a little bit more consistent. But then I think that game they had against, you know, I don't know if it was North Florida. I think it was. I'm not sure. There's so many games that have been going on where, you know, Ben had that crazy game and two other kids from the other team had 31 points. I, there's a – when I watch them play, there's like an AAU mentality when I watch them play a little bit where it's like they're still learning how to defend, but it seems like it's more of a running gun style of play instead of drawing a line in the sand and saying, no, we're actually going to try to get a stop here. And Ben Simmons is no doubt one of the most talented players we have in our game. He will be the first pick taken in the draft, but you know, you also need a team around him. And I think the team is, very young, like other teams, but it's their first experience of being a young team. Does that make any sense? Like, like when I think about Kentucky, like Cal has so much experience in their coaching staff, has so much experience at dealing with one and done. And I think LSU, this is their this is their first go at it with a guy like Ben Simmons. I mean, think about the pressure that is on a team like that. It's, it's the same almost pressure that you guys had last year when teams start, you know, fans started to have the shirts that say forty one and zero and all that stuff. I mean, Ben Simmons, his number, you know, is being promoted at the beginning of the year. He's a savior. And, you know, people don't think about the inner chemistry of teams, too. Like, is there some animosity on that team? Like, a guy, Antonio Blakeney, was as praised, you know, a little bit like Ben Simmons, but he hasn't been living up to expectations, right? So, is there jealousy within a team? I, I know, you know, I dealt with jealousy issues, you know, my freshman year. Like, well, this guy's a senior. He's going to touch it. But, me, I feel like I should get the touches. Or my camp is telling me, hey, man, you know, you need you need to be more aggressive shooting the ball. And, well, coach doesn't really want me to shoot the ball as much. And, you know, um, well, you need to do this what's best for you. Okay, well, why is this guy playing over you? So, you know, all these guys are balancing a lot of different things, and, and coaches handle them differently, and so do the kids. And I'm not saying that exists, that's existing right now at LSU, but I wouldn't be remiss to say it couldn't. Um, there's a lot of pressure that comes with it. Think about even when I – mean, think about what this can do to a team. Even when you lose. Right, even when you lose a game, we're doing a special feature on Ben Simmons. You imagine if you're another player on that team and you're home, like, look, we just lost a game, and ESPN's doing a a breakdown on all Ben Simmons' big buckets. That can create some animosity if you're not on top of that as a coach and keeping everybody on the same page. It's tough. Sure. Um, we we had another question. Um, also from Selena, she said, uh, where Jefferson for Duke is out indefinitely with a foot injury. How big of a hit is that for their team? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. You, you went in and out. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, where uh, Duke's Jefferson, I mean, Jefferson is out indefinitely with a foot injury. How big mm-hmm. of a hit is that for the team? Well, he, he's the heart and soul of that team. He, he's a great guy. I mean, especially for him, you know. <laughs> getting so many double-doubles like he's been doing all year. I think he's – Jay Bill said a great line where, you know, usually when you say, hey, this player's 
you know, he's underrated or he's a role player, that means that a player is limited, right? Um, and I don't think Emil Jefferson is limited at all. I think he, his role has just gotten a lot bigger. Um, and I, I think that hurts because now you need Marshall Plumlee to play a lot more minutes. Now you need Brandon Ingram to play more at the four than the three, especially with that three-guard offense that Coach K likes to run. So I, I think that's a huge loss for the Blue Devils. And you, know, you hope that he can get back on the court soon because without him being on the court, they're going to miss that toughness inside. And, you know, as a team, like if that's like a North Carolina or – a Louisville and ACC, or even a Virginia, you know, you're going to be, you're going to get a chance to get a ton of offensive rebounds because they don't have the manpower to really rebound like that now with the Mill Jefferson being out. Well, uh, we know we've been uh, taking up a, a fair amount of your time, so um, the first well, thing I'm going to ask you. Coming on next, you got the MVP <laughs> coming on next. You guys just warmed up, you know, the two-time national player of the year. I'm just. I'm just a warm-up batter, you know, for the MVP. I'm joking. I'm joking. You're talking about a Kentucky legend, right? I mean, he is—he shot the shot, or he hit the shot that was hurt around the bluegrass. So, I mean, even I though hear. you are awesome, you might be a bit behind him in Kentucky. We, it's we all both, good. I like messing with you guys. We both well, work and for Cameron, so we, we like kind of sort of work for Cameron a little bit. We both write for his website. So. Oh. Oh, so yeah, now the inner workings come out. I get it. I get it. Now. I understand. <laughs> yeah, I got, you know, I got to put all the cards on the table for you, you know, just so you know that <laughs> we think you're still the man here, Jay. But, uh, you know, uh, Cameron's the man. Cameron is the man. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we do know that uh, next month you have a book coming out. You mentioned it the last time you were here, but we'd like for you to give yourself a plug on that one more time. And oh, maybe give us you. a sneak peek. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Life is Not an Accident. And um, you know, my thing, I think I said this to you guys before the first time, is that you know, my life was, interestingly enough, altered by a mistake that I made. And it's a mistake that I've had to live with for the past 10 years. And I think one of the things that I really love about doing TV is that I'm always very real, right? I'm, I'm always very authentic. Like, there's, there's really no bias inside of me. I'm just always going to say what I feel. And uh, this book, I think, will only, I think, enhance that to people who get a chance to read. Uh, I, I talk about some of the difficulties I had um, with playing basketball, with going from a school like Duke, uh, which there are pros and cons, right? Um, you know, one of the pros at a school like Duke is you get a chance to play for a Hall of Fame coach, and you come from a family-like atmosphere, right, where he's almost in a way, I'm putting this in the, in the Duke area, like he's like the king author and all the players are like the knights, right, at the round table. And then all of a sudden, you know, you go to an NBA team where, you know, everybody's by themselves and you go on the road and you eat dinner by yourself. And there's really not that camaraderie. And I had players on my own team who kind of hated on me and would say negative things to the media about me after we would win a game. And, you know, how, how I dealt with that and how I got lost into the glitz and the glamour that came – along with that now I didn't really know how to fit in because I was I was growing up I was a very insecure kid um and you know I would just get a private plane and go out to Vegas and, and party and then come back and you know play in a game later because I saw guys on my team that didn't care I saw guys on my team that were trying to talk to ball girls you know while the game was going on and we were down 10 points in the third quarter I saw guys on my team that played through games that were high on marijuana um and you know, how I dealt with that and how that led me to become a little bit more rebellious and, you know, 
kind of define like, hey, me being my own man is me doing what I want to do and getting a motorcycle and then, you know, hitting a utility pole going 75 miles per hour and being in the hospital for two and a half, three months and, you know, and talking about the process of going through severe depression and, and drug addiction and alcohol issues and getting back on my feet and, but also making it relatable. Like, you know, and I, I love talking to people. I think that's the one thing that I think all my friends would say is a commonality that we have. Like, I can talk to anybody. You could be, there's a guy named Vince who lives around the corner from me and he's, he's homeless and I've been his friend for two and a half years and we, we walk and we talk and, or different, you know, areas around New York that we were being able to get him in. And, like, I, it's amazing hearing his story, right, about how he's dealt with different things. So when I talk to people, the one commonality, I'm like, oh, my God, everybody's had some kind of accident, right? Uh, everybody's gone through something that's been devastating in their life, maybe that's kind of altered a life, or maybe they haven't gone through it yet, right? But how can you equip people with the, the skill set of saying, okay, like, if that's, like, one of my really good friends went through a divorce where his wife cheated on him, okay? He was heartbroken for a year and a half, depressed. Uh, one of my other really good friends lost her mom. Um, you know, my ex-girlfriend lost her sister, right, um, who was her twin sister, how she dealt with that. Or you get fired from your job. Or, you know, something happens where you know, a lot of people want to shun that, that negativity away, and they look at it as a negativity or an accident um, where I don't really want to talk about it, and they try to deal with it. And you have to get to a certain point where you don't allow that that negativity to or the accident to define you, but you use that as part of your story. And and I struggled with that for a while because people love to remind me of the worst day of my life. So if a Kentucky fan doesn't like what I have to say about Kentucky, even though I'm being real and I'm being authentic, I will get a tweet like, oh, why don't you just go hit another motorcycle? Or why don't you just go hit another utility pole? Or obviously you still have brain damage from your motorcycle accident. Like, I get that stuff from fans all the time. And a while back, that used to really bother me until I got to a point where I was secure at myself. I'm like, hey, why don't you come with a better argument, right? Like, instead of just trying to throw a jab at somebody. Um, so how do you deal with that? How do you make that quote-unquote accident, you change the perspective on it where you say, no, that wasn't, that wasn't a bad thing. That was actually maybe the best thing that could have ever happened to me in my life. Because it completely altered who I was as a person. It made me cherish my friends more. It made me be more cognizant of who I led in my life because a lot of people disappear from my life when I went through dark times. And now that I'm doing TV and now that I have some kind of status, a lot of those people at once try to come back. I'm like, Mm-mm, hold on, you can stay right there at the doorway. Like, I know where you stand. Right? Uh, so, how does everybody use that, use their story and embrace it? and allow it to take them to places that they never expected. And that's what it's about. You know, it's like, hey, life isn't an accident. Maybe uh, that was supposed to happen to me so I could be the man I am today at 34 years old and be talking to you guys and be the batter up, you know? Exactly. I really and I, I absolutely can't wait until the book comes out because I'm, I'm really anxious to read it because I think that the message that's crossed there is, like, like you said, we've all been through stuff, but it's, proof that no matter how bad the thing is that you go through, you can rise above it and be better than ever before. And I think that's a message a lot of people need. Yeah. And, you know, I, I also talk about, you know, what it was like to play for Coach K and how there were some decisions I agree that he made and there were some decisions that I didn't agree with, you know. And um, I am very much my own man. I am my own person. And I'm not saying that I, I'm still learning and I'm still navigating my way through this life and, 
there's still a ton for me to learn. But also, you know, I've I've been through a lot of experiences in my 34 years that a lot of people haven't. So, you know, I'm, I don't know. I, like I said before, I'm going to have a couple horror copies in the next week or two. I'm going to send a few to you guys, and we'd love to hear your opinion about it and maybe come back on the show and talk to you guys a little bit more about it. Absolutely. We love having you on. It's And honestly, our numbers go through the roof when you're on, so that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> so. right, well, we'll have to do it again. This is so funny. This is typical in New York. I'm sitting here and talking to you guys, and this guy – I'm at this restaurant called The Roxy in Tribeca. Uh, it's close to where I live, and I'm just sitting here talking to you guys. And who else but Lawrence Fishburne just comes by and gives me a head nod. And I'm just <laughs> in the middle of breaking down Kentucky basketball. I'm like, is that – who the hell is that Lawrence Fishburne? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's so New York City for you, right? Who knows? Morpheus just came through. I love it. Well, when are you going to leave New York City and come back to Lexington for a day or two? Well, I'll make that happen for sure. Thank you guys so much for tonight. Always love talking to you guys. Well, we look forward to talking to you again, Jay, and we thank you for your time, and you have a great evening. Okay, you guys too. Enjoy your night. All right. Good night, Jay. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Well, that was a lot of fun. And I think just based on our listeners here that we've uh, uh, everybody appreciated uh, the insights that we got from Jay. I think maybe there's a little clarity added uh, about his comments last week. So I see he just he keeps it real. He's not attacking the cats. Matter of fact, I think he's more fair uh, with the Wildcats than some of our own fans are at times. But. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that I just I always love talking with Jay. So there you go. Oh yeah, he's fantastic. Right, so we've got about uh, we've got a couple of minutes before we have Cameron Mills on. So uh, we're going to cover a couple of things really quick because we do have to get a commercial in here. Uh, we want to mention our affiliate in Whitesburg, WUKB one hundred three point five. Appreciate them carrying the show, and we appreciate the Radio Wizard for streaming our show. And we appreciate all of our listeners for listening to the show. I think I got all those shout-outs in. And if you're Uh, a first-time listener, don't be shy. Come back again. (laughs) And we're going to be uh, having a book giveaway in the second half of the show. Uh, It'll happen sometime after Cameron's uh, segment. We have a copy of One and Fun, the book by Aaron Torres. He was on our show uh, several weeks ago, and that's um, uh, the, the book about the 2010 season, uh, Cal's first year at UK. And there's a lot of, I mean, this is a fabulous book. So, Kristen, you want to tell them what they're going to have to do to win the book? Yes, ma'am. Sometime in the second hour of our show, you will hear a phrase that I'm fixing to say. And once you hear the phrase, if you're the first person to call us, you win. And what you have to hear is, Patino got ran over by a wildcat. The phrase is, Patino got ran over by a wildcat. When you hear that in the second hour, be the first one to call us, and you have won your own personal copy of One and Done by Aaron Torres. And uh, write it down now so you'll have it handy. Our call-in number is 646-716-4741. 
And um, and once you do call in and you hear you're connected, you do have to press one, or we won't see your your number show up in our caller queue. So that's a very important piece of information. Anyway, we are going to take a two-minute break, and when we come back, we will have Cameron Mills and Johnny Pittman telling us all about uh, Big Blue Christmas in New York City this weekend. So this is Big Blue Views. We'll be back in two. Welcome back to Big Blue Views. We're getting ready to start our next segment. Uh, for those of you that have been listening all along, you got to hear a lot of great stuff from Jay Williams, but the great stuff, that was only the warm-up act because now we get to welcome <laughs> the headliners for tonight's show, Cameron Mills and Johnny Pittman. What? Why do I already hear Johnny laughing? Johnny, you weren't supposed to call in. You had assignments to get done. Actually, you know what? They called me and said, hey, we really need you to call because, Cameron, there's no way he could carry this. So right. there, it's more of a surprise to you, you and a surprise to me because I was going to let now. you do it yourself. Yep. I've carried you on a radio <laughs> show for two years now. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Okay there, Spoonbread. Let's go. Michelle, I have a feeling you and I are just want to sit here and laugh and listen to them talk back and forth for the next 20 or 30 minutes. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh, by the way, Michelle, I have a question. Um, yes. The gift that you brought me um, on, at our at our uh, at our get together uh, last week, you brought me three bags, um, little bags. One of them were they all dog treats, or was only all one dog treat? All of them were dog treats. Okay, good. Oh, one bag I opened, and um, I didn't know if I was supposed to eat them or not. I've been feeding them to the dogs, but they smell like really good people food too. 
<laughs> well, you know, uh, I looked at the ingredients, and they're all actually uh, things that you would eat if you had a really strange set of t- taste buds. Um, I thought I'm you were going to say something else that began with a T, and I thought, Michelle, this is not that type of show. The not cookies, the cookies smell like cookies. <laughs> they, there's, they, and I've been feeding them to my dog, and then somebody else got hold, and they said, "Have you been giving these to your dog?" I said, "Yeah." They said, "I think these are people cookies." So anyway, that, right, that sounds like another. Stuff. That sounds like another Mills to me. Did, was that one of your family members? That was mom. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think that that mixture in the middle is a combination of peanut butter and flour and chicken broth, which, like okay. I said, is a strange combination. So dogs kind this of like is, that combo. Cameron, Humans this is what you, so well, that's, this that's, is what that's you that's don't get on our show. Michelle, this is not only is it Big Blue Views, it's Big Blue Views with information about the best dog treats possible. I think they I are think good. you guys well, really need to good. push that too. Well, okay. there you go. I, I mean, you know, sure. we're and just a wealth of useless information here. And, well, right. and I meant to call you or text you about that earlier, Michelle, and I forgot. And then I thought, well, you know, her podcast would be the perfect <laughs> venue to get this under my belt and figure it out. Cameron, well, have I, you I have you ever made dog treats before? Um, I, I myself am a dog treat. All my dogs, they, they are, they love to be treated by me. So, you know, I've never personally made them, but I am myself a dog treat. You, you definitely probably could be covered up and smelt like some of the things that dogs treat us with. I don't know about being a dog treat necessarily. Well, see, that's what dogs treat us with, not what we treat dogs with. That's right. That's right. Um, Michelle, so why exactly are we on? Are we on to talk to each other? Because we've been doing this all day. What do you need us for? Has the podcast started yet? Have we started, or is this is this like pre-production? What are we doing? Oh, you you are entertaining the masses. They love you guys. Sure. But yeah. the the primary reason that we had you guys on here tonight is we we knew we had a a, a larger audience than normal because we had Jay on the show, but. Um, this oh. weekend is a oh. really big deal yeah. in New York yeah, City. It's especially a big deal for the Cameron Mills radio show. And yes. I want you to tell us all about what's going on this weekend. Well, Cameron, I, go would, ahead. I, I will defer to Johnny to give the details because he is much more – he knows them all. Because, And I will say this. As much as I tease him, um, <laughs> he has absolutely knocked, knocked this out of the park. No. He came to me about a month ago and said – I guess it was a month ago, and said, what about us trying to do our show in New York before the Ohio State game? And I, you know, I, I always have a big picture view of things, but I don't always think big. And I kind of thought, well, I, you know, I don't know. Do you think they'd want us, blah, blah, blah. And Johnny said, as he had said to me a thousand times in the last month, it never hurts to ask. So within, I don't know, Johnny, what, we had uh, we had Safosnik go by and drop a little hint off or drop a little, you know, say, hey, would yeah. you guys be interested? And the next thing I know, we're booked. Yeah. So I, and then Johnny's kind of taking it from doing – Johnny's taking it from a remote, which is all it was going to be, and has got the New York City Alumni Association, UK Alumni Association involved. Uh, they're doing a giveaway to sit next to Johnny and I um, at the Ohio State game. <laughs> Um, they're, you know, they're raising Is money. Is that a for, prize? 
Yes, that's a prize. And not only is it a prize, they, they're, they're raffling off these tickets, Michelle. To do, they have been um, raffling them, yes. They've been raffling them off, uh, and all the money's going to Dance Blue. I don't know what the response has been. They may have only sold one or two raffle tickets, but that is, that's something they've been doing. There's already proceeds so anyway. going to Dance Blue with just one or two. Um, it is, Michelle, it's the craziest story. It started, it, 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 he, and we do, we, Cameron and I have been, um, we've been close friends really since probably 90, I'm going to say like 93, 94. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, um, it kind of, it kind of started with, we wanted to go, he, uh, Matt DiLorenzo, who was a very good friend of ours, closer to well, he, Cameron Matt than he DiLorenzo is to me. Matt was the, was the Johnny Pittman of the Cameron Mill show before Johnny Pittman came before, along. Before I Matt came along, but Matt, yeah. yeah, Matt worked at UK um, and was there when Cameron, in marketing when Cameron was there as a player, and they were both good friends with Steve Massiello. Our plan was the three of us to go to New York to watch UK play, experience yep, New York again. Christmas time like you normally would do, and have a great time, maybe say hi to Steve, and come back home. But, that does, yep. I mean, that's that's an awesome weekend for anyone, anyway, period. Period. Um, but I, I tell you, and it has, it, it's been during a time of great reflection of how many great friends I have in my life and how I don't ever get to do things with all my friends, that I thought, how great would it be to throw a party and invite everyone that I have known or know? Oh, my gosh. You're turning this into a Dr. Phil episode, for crying out loud. Just tell me. Well, I'm just serious. I mean, really, how often do you get an opportunity to say, we're throwing a party and everyone's invited? We can't necessarily get you there, but if you get there, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a party. It's going to be all day long. And, And we get to hang out, not just. You and I, but everybody can hang out and have fun. That's the whole idea of the party. It was the whole idea of the three of us going up together, and now we're just well, trying to celebrate it with all the UK well, fans who are coming up. That's right. I think, and that's kind of what it is. It was certainly an idea to invite friends, but let's be honest. The friends that we expect to come, other than your friends that live up there or that are going to be there for another reason, are going to be members of Big Blue Nation. And so that's kind well, of what that, that, took, it, took it from a hangout weekend. There's yeah. that. I've, Willie Nelson has been invited. Kanye and Kim have been invited. I know this that Donald true. Trump's been invited. Yes. I've invited a bunch of my friends, a bunch I of my friends, and these the, people. Uh, I'm not saying they're my friends, so, just saying these people. So I told so, a friend. So I, I told a friend, Johnny, that you invited the governor. Yeah. And uh, they assumed they, you were talking about De Blasio. And when I told them, well, no, 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 our no. governor down here, they were like, well, right. what, didn't, isn't, didn't he just start? Isn't he going to have other things to do? <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? What is a, what better thing to do than come celebrate with the greatest fan base, which represent your state better than the other little sister that's up in, near where I right. live? Right. So sure. why not come and well, and celebrate celebrate New York, Christmas, yeah. Kentucky as the governor? Yes. With 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 really maybe even the group of fans that might have even got him elected to office because he came out and said that he'd root for UK before not he was elected. Yeah. So the Louisville fans aren't going to come. I'd I'd say maybe well, the Kentucky fans I are the ones that are going to come and welcome anyway. 
I will tell you what he can do. He can fix the potholes in Western Kentucky Parkway. That's what I'd like. <laughs> I would rather I would rather party with him and then tell him to fix them than like send him a letter. I think he would listen better to me if we were at a party together and said, "Hey, man, can you fix the potholes?" He says, "Oh, sure, so man. I'm the governor. Personal, That's what I'm expecting." You, in, you invited you invited the governor for personal reasons. Well, for you, I want you to have the potholes sure. fixed. Sure, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> Are that. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. no, Michelle, we did. We invited, we did invite the governor, um, but it wasn't a. It, look, it's not a party that just specific people are invited to. It's a party that everyone is invited to, and 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 it it the the governor got an invitation because everybody got an invitation. So we want we do. If you're up in New York City, if oh, you are up in New York City, come. <laughs> Come and party. Uh, de Blasio, by the way, de Blasio yes. is on the list, but is we it? are all actually honoring the New York City Police Department as well with uh, kind of, again, with the whole idea hodgepodge throw together. We thought, you know, UK is known as blue or big blue. Police are known as blue. One thing that we do is we, we, I mean, Safosnik's one of our, one of our, Buddies, he's. A, we're spending a lot of time with him up there. We love him to death. So we came up with this idea of blue loves blue, and so we're going to honor New York City Police Department and honor really any law enforcement that's up there during the party as well. Well, so now the remotes are going to be doing that Saturday morning at your normal time from ten till noon. Correct? That'll be at yep. uh, Jack Dempsey's. That's exactly that's right. Jack Dempsey's, right? Now, for those people that, for whatever reason, don't have tickets to the game, will there be a game viewing party at Jack Dempsey's as well? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That is the place, Michelle, and Johnny's the one that I didn't realize this because I just I'm out of out of the loop on a lot of stuff like this. But that is the headquarters. Not the headquarters. It is the it is the place where the University of Kentucky New York Alumni Association, which is four thousand members strong, believe it or not, right, Johnny? Is that the number? Yes, um, yes. That is where they – if you go to Jack Dempsey's web, website, and I don't know what it is offhand, but if you go to the website, up at the top it has links. It says about, it says menu, it says this, that, and at the very last one or second last one it says University of Kentucky alumni. I mean it's part of who they are. That This is where the U.K. fans congregate every game to watch the game right. on TV. It just so happens to be near this coming Saturday – the game's going to be in Brooklyn right across the, uh, the I guess it's the river there. And you know what? If you don't have tickets, everyone's welcome to stay there. And then after the game, we're coming back uh, to the teams for the big party. Uh, That's right. To hang out for the rest of the evening. That's right. And there are all kinds of special – there are all kinds of special events, promotions. I, I don't know events. The event is that event. The event yeah. is the party on Saturday night. Right. After the right. show, which is the event as well on Saturday, but the the party is going to be. I, well, we've got we've got a professional DJ who is actually a UK fan who uh, who hosts parties for Horseshoe Casino and uh, out in West Hollywood. He does derby parties. Uh, he is hosting, or he is the one. His promotions company is the one that has really really put all this together. Things Ryan Cox, it's Ryan Cox events or Cox events. And he's going to be the DJ. There is already Cam I'm 
and let him tell you about this because I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but we've got we've got promotions worked out with Uber that for UK fans, if you're listening right now and you've never used Uber, that's fantastic because you're going to get at least twenty dollars off your first ride and there's a chance that we will show you actually there's not a chance we'll show you, but we're gonna show you how to get around New York City almost maybe close to the entire time you're there, if you're there with a group of people, you can get around without paying anything if you've not used Uber well, before. If, that's right. Yeah, well, essentially what's going to happen is we, we've got – Uber is one of our newest uh, sponsors of our radio show. Correct. We could not be more excited to have them. And So what they've done is for everybody that signs up, if you go to the Uber website and you there sign you up using the promo code Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N, uh, Pretty easy. $20 off your very first ride. Um, you know, now I will tell you, my very first Uber ride uh, was around, I probably went seven, eight miles here in Lexington a few weeks ago, which is what prompted, I had such an incredible experience, um, such a great experience that I just got excited about what Uber was and decided to get in touch with them and see if they were interested, and sure enough, they were. Um, right. But I went about seven miles in Lexington for $12. So, you know, that's what now in New York it's going to be a little more expensive and you've got to go yeah. a greater distance and that kind of thing. But if you combine, if you carpool with other UK fans up there, yes. you know, when each one of you have our new members and each one of you is going to Cameron, Uber's going to help us figure out a way that, you know what, you can combine all those and probably get free rides. And, um, Michelle, they already have. One of the big things is if you look at most of the promotions, uh, Uber promotions, because this is familiar to most people who listen or see things like this where you go in, you enter a code, and that gives you either a discount or some kind of voucher. Uber, if you look through, most all of the promotions that are that way are either 5 or $10. That's what they are. Uber's kind of stepped up. They know that traveling around New York City is a little bit more expensive. They know that the trip from Dempsey's to the Barclays, we measured out, is is right at between thirty nine and forty one dollars. That's what an Uber fare is from there. It takes forty five minutes. We know all of this stuff. I I went up last week and did this. Well, well I can remember, come back Johnny, and tell you. Remember, Johnny, a lot of that has to do with which level of Uber you use. You've got the Uber Black, which are the kind of Cor- nice black correct. cars. And the average the average Uber, Uber fare is thirty nine right. to forty one. So okay. what okay. happens okay. is I was talking to I was talking to uh, Janisa, who is uh-huh. our Uber rep. And she said, I said, Janice, the only way that this is really going to look good is if we can get people to the Barclays and back to Dempsey's for free. She goes, we can't do $40. We don't even do, we we only do $30 for the real big time people. And I said, aren't we big time? And she said, we'll keep it. She said, we'll keep it at 20. I said, okay, that's good. And, uh, and then, but then she said, here's what I recommend. And so this is the Uber person who told me this. So I know it's good. I know this is safe and right. What you do, they have Uber XL, as Cameron was talking about. That is a five to seven person vehicle. If you can get five people, all are, you know, you're UK fans, you're going to the same place. Why not go celebrate together anyway? You get all five of those people. Not only do you get to the Barclays free, not only do you get back for free, but let's say you guys want to go somewhere else. You got at least one more ride with that group of people for free. So absolutely, it is a great it's a great way to go. We've got that promotion um, that's going on. We've got uh, we've got Alltech, who are the they they're the distributors obviously of Kentucky Ale, but Alltech is 
they're the freaking equestrian game sponsor. They're sponsoring this show. So we've got all tech. Then after we get all tech, all of a sudden we get we get we get uh, uh, who is it, Cameron? Who is who? Uh, Rafferty, I don't know. North Lime, all these. Uh, we've got we've got. Minky, we've got boxes Minky. of jerky that we're taking up to give away. All this stuff. And North Lime Coffee want, and Donuts. Yep, North uh, Lime yes. Coffee and Donuts. Well, I don't know if we do that, but we want this to be the very best experience UK fans can have. Because we want it to be the best experience we can have. So, you know, it, it really is. It's going to be an outstanding trip, an outstanding time. And we're just, listen, we're, we are. We're honored that we can be on. Cameron's name is what's gotten me this far, so it's gotten me right here, and I appreciate that because it's. I mean, listen, this is this is a dream. This is a dream for anyone uh, to be able to to be able to go and have a good time in New York City with their friends, and um, that, that's kind of how it Christmas. came about. I mean, the place, how, there are people that just take trips to New York around Christmas because it's right. New York right. Christmas. So the timing of this could not be could, I, and Perfect that's story. one of the things we're so excited about is you know Rockefeller Center Christmas tree and just the whole I mean we're just we could not be more excited so so if you if you even if you don't have tickets and you want to plan a trip quick uh, a trip yeah. quick a quick trip just come yeah. up there and hang out at Dempsey's the day of the game and just experience New York City that's right it takes twelve hours from Lexington so if you're if you're planning you you could you could in you could in one day. Uh, it'd be a tough day. Or it takes an hour. And you get you get twenty. Yeah. Uh, it, what I'm saying is, you know what? If you're looking for an experience of a, you know, an experience that that in twenty years you'll I say, say, I did this twenty years ago. <laughs> it, it's one of those things that's well worth it to me. Especially if you're a UK fan, absolutely. We're that's gonna right. have a great time. That's right. Well, I'm thinking, I'm mean, you've got a lot of great sponsors, but maybe you all should hit up Petco because they're the ones that made those great dog treats that Cameron enjoyed. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, there you go. You know what? I'm going to have to look at Always so. coming back around to the dog treats yep. on this show. Fantastic. You know what? It always comes back around to the dogs. That's right. That's right. I'm just telling hey, guys, you, I'm I've got to hop right off because I've got to talk to oh. some people from New York City about the party. Thank you, Thank you for having me done. on, Michelle. Cameron, I'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. Thanks, Johnny. I want to know what Jay Williams said. Well, first of all, you need to know what we told Jay Williams. Uh, okay. By the way, it's Kristen. I don't think I've got a word in about 20 minutes. Oh, hey, how are you? <laughs> uh, what? Say that again, Kristen? I said, I don't think I've got a word in about 20 minutes. So, hey, how well, are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm wonderful. Well, first I said you need to know what we told Jay Williams and the proof okay, is in yeah, the podcast. We told okay. him that he was the warm-up act because that's what Johnny told us oh, to tell him. And right. then okay. after we told him that, we said that we loved him and he was the man, that he did not shoot the shot that was heard around the bluegrass. So sure. in the state of Kentucky, Cameron Mills is king, and he is the warm-up act. So. <laughs> okay. Well, let me tell you what he did do, and I don't know if you guys remember this. And we, Johnny and I have talked about it on our show before. Um, but in I don't know, 2001 or 2002, somewhere around there, we played Duke. Up in New York, and we were, and this was uh, Tubby's what third or fourth year, and we were beating them to a pulp in the first half. And then, you know, y'all remember that player we had for a while? He had, he had his gold teeth. I want to say his name was Rashad Caruth. 
but it may yeah. not have been Rashad. His last name was Karut. Yeah, Karut. And he was, a, he was highly recruited. He was a great guard. But he was a little rough around the edges. And so we're watching. It must have been early in the second half, and he's having a great game. And all of a sudden, he starts talking trash to the McDonald's All-American, at the time, Jason Williams. This is before he went to Jay. Right. And he's talking trash to Jason Williams, who had an absolutely deplorable first half. And I'm sitting there watching, watching the game and just screaming at the television, leave him alone. Because Rashad would get in his face after every time he made a basket. I'm like, this guy is having a lousy game. Don't light a fire under him. Don't, you know, let the sleeping dog lie. And he, he just kept going after him. And the second half, Jay Williams lit us up. And Duke winds up beating us because we hadn't beat them since the 98 game um, until uh, two or three weeks ago. So it's, it's one of my uh, abiding memories of Jason Williams that he played a terrible first half, and someone got in his face and told him about it, and he got them back because he destroyed us in that second half. Well, he did tell us tonight that he always thrives when uh, someone yells at him. So Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Did he really? And, and there you go. I mean, just, it's this thing about talking trash that I, that I don't understand. And, look, I get it, but – you know, sometimes you just got sometimes you just got to let your playing do your talking for you. And in that situation, dude, just just keep beating him on the court. Stop jawing with him. So, and I'll tell you the other thing. Jay was on ESPN now, where he of course uh, does a lot of college basketball work, and um, he, he was talking about uh, Grayson Allen um, after the UK game, and it was a couple games after the UK game, and um, and talking about how Grayson kept flopping on plays, and I thought. Well, if, if this isn't the strangest thing you've ever heard, a, a Duke player complaining about another Duke player flopping, you, you don't hear that much. Oh, but uh, that does add to uh, Jay's authenticity as an analyst when he can call it out does. his former school for flopping. No, listen, and that's the great thing about Jay Billis. It's the great thing about Jay Woods. Look, if you're going to be the level they are, you you can't – if you want to be fun and be a homer, you know, if you obviously make jokes about it and obviously root for your home team, because I, I guarantee you, I would hope Jay and Jason both root for Duke. Um, but, you know, there comes a time when you have to kind of step back and authentically look at who your team is and what they're capable of. And, you know, don't, don't expect them to win by 20 every game, but call it as you see it. And it, I'm not, I don't think it's easy to do, but they seem to do a great job of it. Now, Cameron, if we can, I want to switch gears just a smidge, and I want you to tell us about, I know we've been talking about it quite a bit as writers, talk about the uh, CameronMillsRadio.com revamp. <laughs> well, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's going on as we speak. As a matter of fact, Webmaster just texted me. I think I sent him all of your all's um, thoughts and opinions about what you want to change. Of course, of course Michelle and Kristen both write for the website. Um, and along with uh, Terry Brown and Benny Hardy, and uh, who else am I leaving out? And Kristen's brand Tina new. Kristen's yep, yeah, Tina Cox. And Lindsay. Her. Um, I'll see, now you put me on spot. I'm blanking on Lindsay's name. Uh, Lindsay Travis, I think is her name. Um, and anyway, so we've got some great writers, and what I love about you guys is you write, number one, you write for free, and that's wonderful. Thank you for that. Number two, you write about what you care about. You write about what you're passionate about. I don't think I've ever told you guys not to write an article. If you had it in your mind and you had and it was something you wanted to write about, I don't think I've ever told you, ah, let's not do that one now. Maybe I have and I'm blanking on it, but I don't want to do that. I want you guys to write about something that you're, 
that you are upset about, that you're happy about. Because I just think that makes better riding and more enjoyable riding. And so the revamp, Kristen, I have no idea. Um, I sent the, the thoughts that you all had to my webmaster, uh, to the designer of the website, and uh, he texted me back right before I got on uh, the podcast with you. He, um, he emailed me back and said, I'm wiped, I'm going to bed. So you all may have overwhelmed him with your thoughts, uh, <laughs> but he's going to call me in the morning, and he and I are going to start tackling some of these things to try to make this website as great as it can be. Because we got great writing, now we just need the website to be as, on the same part as the writing is. Well, uh, we'll also give a plug uh, for your show, which actually uh, you probably don't listen to us every week, but, uh, you know, we listen to you. And every week we do talk about your show and talk about your website. So every Saturday from 10 to 12 on Fox 1580, also on iHeart. Yep. Uh, iHeart.com or iHeartRadio, sure. Um, we've, uh, I mean, we, we started it two years ago. I, I was kind of doing. I've been doing radio for Clear Channel, which is now iHeartMedia, for ten years, twelve years, and um, doing kind of sidekick kind of stuff for pregame, postgame shows for basketball. Um, I do guest appearances on other people's shows. Really, just sitting there and talking. I mean, that just n- nothing more involved than that. And um, they came and said, "Have you ever thought about doing your own show?" And they, they've done this for like five or six years, and I kept saying no, no. And I think a lot of it was because I genuinely didn't have time to do it. And I think a lot of it, too, I was scared. I mean, it's, one, it's easy, it, well, at least it was for me, to co-host the show, to be the sidekick, to be the guy that didn't have to get us in and out of breaks, who didn't have to keep the conversation running, just to kind of sit there and make my smart aleck remarks or you know talk about the things I was very opinionated about. And if I wasn't opinionated about it, I just didn't involve myself in the conversation if I didn't carry it away. If, when you got to you, leave like, the show, like Johnny does now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and that's, that's the role he has. But what Johnny's good at, Johnny will, like, and that's why I need Johnny. If, if, I'm, if I'm struggling with the conversation, or I go, and this happens more often than you, than you think, I go brain dead sometimes. I, I've, been, I've been in interviews with people where I will genuinely, for about five to ten terrifying seconds, will absolutely forget who we're talking to. I will, have, I will have moments where I am thinking about a question and thinking this will be a great follow-up to that or this is where I want the conversation to go next, and they'll keep talking for another 30 seconds. And then right as I sense that they're about to end their sentence and I know I've got to come in with the next question, I'll go bring that in. Oh, my gosh, what was my question? You know, you have those moments, and that's why I need somebody like Johnny who can just immediately, I can kind of give him a terrified look, and he'll come in with a question. Um, but, you know, I, I did that for years as that sidekick, and I, I was kind of scared to take on this role. And, it, you know, when it's live radio, and you very easily can say something wrong, inappropriate, um, or, or worst of all, say nothing at all, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's a little daunting. And um, so bottom line is I finally kind of took the plunge and said, you know what, let's try it, and very quickly started to enjoy it. And like I said, Matt DiLorenzo was my co-host for the first six months. And then he couldn't do it anymore because he's got three kids, uh, one of them special needs, and Saturdays was his dad day. And he just couldn't justify being on the radio anymore when that was, that was a good day to be with his kids. And, and I completely, completely understood that. And then I actually was impressed and had a great deal of respect for him for making that decision. And so I needed, a, I needed another sidekick. And so I kind of uh, landed on a relationship with Johnny that I've had for 
20, 25 years, and it's been great. Uh, he, he started getting going after big-time guests like Jay Billis and Bob Ryan and uh, Greg Doyle and uh, um, Gary Parrish and guys that I never would have thought to call because my thinking was always, uh, they'll never say yes. And they all said yes. And so we've had some great guests. Um, I was able to rely on my teammates. I think we've had just about every one of my teammates on the radio except Wayne Turner, and Wayne has kind of been that position as a assistant coach or uh, whatever his role is at University of Louisville that he just he can't right now. Um, but we'll get him on eventually. So, But the next goal is to go statewide. Right now we're just on Fox Sports 1580 in Lexington. Uh, you can hear us online. We do podcast the shows on iTunes. But we really want to be statewide at some point. However that means, we want to start adding affiliates and adding and creating a network. Um, and we're working on that. We're, we've gotten some very good um, – feedback from some stations saying, you know, two or three as of right now that have said, we definitely want you uh, once you can get up on a satellite. And that's kind of the next step is kind of affording to be able to put our show up on a satellite so some of these affiliates can pull it down. Uh, but that's where we're going. Well, yeah, well, I, I have some busting yours and Johnny's chops from time to time. But in all seriousness, you all do have one of the, the best shows, in my opinion. I, I love I said that's my Saturday morning routine. I can't. <laughs> I, I struggled during golf season, you know, when I'd have to play tournaments and I'd have to listen to y'all on podcast. <laughs> I love it, Michelle. You sh- when you have to play golf, really? When you <laughs> have to play golf, come on. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you know, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, as much as you guys love doing the show, it's as much as I love to listen. I'm kind of vice versa. I love the podcast. As you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom of a 19-month-old, okay. and I run on his schedule. So yeah. so I, yeah. I, I enjoy listening to it, you know, when I'm doing the dishes or working out or whatever. It's really a, just a great time of my day, so well, I really appreciate and, and you I'm guys glad, doing it. I'm glad you brought that up, Kristen, because I'll tell you, the, the one thing that I really feel like I have failed in uh, with the show so far is getting that podcast up timely. Like right now, we're two weeks behind. Um, uh-huh. you know, I know. And I've gone to <laughs> – and so I've gone <laughs> – and part of it now, to be honest, part of it is my fault because what happens is Clear Channel, iHeartMedia, they will post it to their podcast page. If it's a Saturday show, which it is, typically for a long time, really for the first year and a half, it wasn't getting posted to their podcast page until Monday. So, you know, we'd have to wait Saturday, Sunday, Monday. They, they put it up usually by noon, and then what I have to do is I have to download it from their page and throw it up on our server and then connect iTunes to it. And it's really not that big of a process, um, but it's just something you have to sit down and make yourself do. Well, we talked to them about, because what I really want is I want the podcast available no more than an hour after the show on Saturday. Because a lot of times if we can get that accomplished and we can get it up, our, our conversations won't be so stale. They won't be so far behind. Because, look, basketball, we're in the middle of basketball season. If we can start getting them up quicker, um, and, and iHeart is working with me on this. As a matter of fact, Saturday's show was literally up to their server an hour after our show was done. So by 1 o'clock, they, were, they had it posted. The problem is iHeart Media is having a problem with their server or with their links. There was no download link. So even though it was up and I could stream it, I couldn't download it. Uh, but we're going to work all through that, and, I, and I'll make you a promise, Christian. We're going to do everything we can to get that posted, um, if not within an hour of the show being finished on Saturday mornings or Saturday at noon. Um, at least by Sunday. That sounds wonderful. That would be excellent. 
Absolutely, well, I, I love that in golf season. By the way, just just say, you know because I do have <laughs> to play golf. Would you <laughs> would you listen to it? Would you have Would you have your headphones in, Michelle, during your round? Well, you know, depending on who I'm playing with, because there are some times wow. that I don't want to have to interact with a few of the people in my group. So, <laughs> so, so, so they're going to know now if they're listening that if Michelle has her headphones in. She really just doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> well, yeah, at least one of the three, you know. So <laughs> absolutely. Now, as to which one of the three, I guess they'll have to figure it out themselves. Yeah, uh, they can all well, be paranoid. That's fine with me. Cameron, we would be so remiss if we didn't ask you what you thought about this year's team and how the season's played out so far. You know what? It's it, look. I've said this a thousand times since Cal's got here. We put so much pressure is the wrong word because UK fans do that to their teams every year. They they constantly have an expectation of overachieving. Um, the problem is when you have teams, and I, I'm not I'm not going to use the word team. When you have talent like we have had the last six years, you, you they can't. There's no way they could truly overachieve. I mean, they just because really there's nothing past the national championship. And that is somewhat, somewhat a realistic expectation now. And the problem is the way Cal recruits, he's got so many one and done, gets the best players in the country. They come here, but they're gone the next year. The realistic expectation now for years, I told people, you cannot expect a national championship every year. I don't care what the rankings are. I don't care what the national pundits think. I don't care what your expectations are. You cannot expect it. In 110 years of Kentucky basketball, 114 or whatever it is now, there have only been eight. Just do the math. That's not a national championship every year. It is hard. I don't care how much talent you have. I don't care how great a team you are. I don't care how great your coach is. It is hard to win a national championship. You've got 300-some-odd teams. All of them, their goal, whether realistic or not, is to win the national championship. Their coaches are paid, too. Their fans go to games, too. It's hard to do it. But now, with this talent that comes and goes every year, and we have to reload, the expectation is you have to build a team in five months. There's no more building a team over three years. Kentucky has to build a team in five months. And that's where I will use the word team, because what we see right now with this year's team is we see individuals who can certainly get better. The talk has been about Scal. Scal needs to get tougher. Scal has to have a killer's instinct. All that's true. But what we have to do more than anything is we have to become a team. We have to get a sixth sense about our teammates. One of the best things about the 98 team is we had that, that core group of guys had literally played almost every day together for three years, four years if you count that year. I knew if I'm on a fast break and, I, and Wayne Turner is leading it, I knew where my job was to be on that fast break within three seconds. I knew where I had to go. Wayne knew where I was going to be. And so if he's on a fast break, he knows all he has to think is, all right, Cameron's going to be in one of the corners. I just got to figure out which one. I'm going to drive. If I get into a tough spot, I'm throwing it behind my back around, around his head. I'm doing something, but I'm getting the ball to Cameron in the corner. Same thing with Hashimi Revin. Wayne knew where Hashimi was coming down that break on the secondary break. Hashimi was coming down that left-hand side. That's hard to get that sixth sense about teammates in five months, but that's what we have to do. I'm I'm happy with where we are. And, Kristen, I think it was you that wrote that great article about, you know, when eight and one is a disappointment or something to that effect. That, that's yeah. where we are. That's what it is. That's what it is playing at Kentucky and being a Kentucky fan. 
we're disappointed with an eight and one start. And I get it. I get it. But the worst thing, I don't know if it's the worst thing, but the thing I never like to see, I don't ever want to be preseason ranked number one. Because it doesn't matter. I want to be ranked number one April 8th. That's what I want every year. I don't care where we're ranked the rest of the time. I've said it a thousand times. We can lose. The great thing about college basketball, you can lose every single game of the regular season and still win the national championship. You have to be hot in March, and that's what you have to be. Sure. And And if anybody – if anybody wants to know about the article that Cameron just referenced, it is on CameronMillsRadio.com, an article I wrote about whenever being 8-1 is simply not enough. So yeah, I, 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 mean, I, I wrote it, so I think it's a great read. So and uh, <laughs> so if you guys want to hear about that, you guys can check it out there on CameronMillsRadio.com. There you go. And you know what? And I'll, I'll put this out as well, Kristen. It's, it's why I love all you guys. You're great writers. Look, I can't – you'll notice what's funny is if, if – the, the website's under my name because Johnny and I did it in conjunction with the actual radio show. Um, the only reason we started a website was because we had to have somewhere to park our podcast. You have to park them somewhere on the web so you can point iTunes to them. And then we thought, well, it's stupid to have a website and not have any content on the website. So we got content, and we, you know, Michelle came along, who was one of the first people that started contacting me after listening to the show. And I remember before I even knew Michelle, going to her because she all constantly – um, communicated with Johnny and I after the show and before the show and about the show. And so I remember going to Michelle saying, give me a favor, ask your friends who listen to the show what they think about it. How can we get better? Um, and that turned into Michelle writing and Terry and Vinny come along and writing and then Kristen you through a relationship with Michelle. And you guys can put words together. I can't do that. I'm not, I don't like writing. I'm not good at writing. Um, so I've never written a thing on that website. I think I've started a couple articles and then got bored and stopped them. So I love that you guys write. I love that you write well. And I love that you I, I love your opinions. I love your thoughts. I love your ideas. And so so you know, check out Kristen's article. Check out Michelle Michelle, what was the last big article you wrote? There was one on there and it was a few months ago, but and I think it was probably about the NCAA, but there's another one that I think I'm blanking on right now that I just thought was fantastic. I I know, and I'm sitting here and I'm blanking on because I had uh, I, I was shocked. It went through the roof. Uh, and, and I'm sitting here going like, oh, wonder what that was. I have to look that up, actually. Uh, well, either way, I would just say to everybody, don't go to the – I'm not plugging the website because it's technically my website and, and all that because it's really not. It's your all's website. You, you fill it up with content. Uh, but I would, I would commend it to everybody. Go check out what these guys are writing because it's good stuff. It, you know what? A lot of it, too, is – and this is what I love about you guys. A lot of it is feel-good stuff. There's, there's very, you know, if we have to be negative about the football team – or about the disappointments. You know, I think Terry wrote an article about uh, maybe after the Florida game or something like that about, look, we're disappointed, yes, but not giving up. You know, so there's always that positive spin, as there should be with true fans. You know, we can gripe and gripe and gripe about, you know, these players and stuff when they're paid what they should be paid. But until they're paid what they should be paid, you know, we got to stay positive. About it. You want to complain about the coach, fine, complain about the coach. They make millions of dollars. But, you know, we keep it relatively positive. We tell really cool stories. And that's what I love. Uh, I remembered what my article was. It was when yes. everybody was, uh, when all the the stuff was breaking out of Louisville and uh, yes. a lot of the L fans were crawling out of the woodwork saying, we well, all need of to course. worry about what's going on at UK, making an inference yes. that we're cheating and all these other things. Yes. And so I pointed out all the great things that were going that's on at UK, was. like, you know. All the sports, it not was, just the revenue sports. That's that's right, and that and Michelle, that's what I loved about it because Johnny and I made a commitment, and we've really done a bad job of it this year. 
But we made a commitment to really push the non-revenue sports with the radio show. Because, look, everybody goes to the basketball games and the football games and writes about those, and then you see far less articles about the non-revenues. And you see them because, look, there are less people interested in that stuff, but that doesn't mean those athletes are working less hard. It doesn't mean that, that they're not as committed and passionate about their sports as the basketball players and football players are. And that needs to be celebrated as well. And so, you know, you, you have written about that. Johnny's written about the volleyball team. Um, you know, we've got to, Johnny and I have to do a better job of pushing that kind of stuff on the radio show. Uh, but, you know, that was a great article about, look, there are some exciting things going on with the non-revenues. And a lot of that, all of that, as far as I'm concerned, has to do with Mitch Barnhart. Because I, I had a conversation with Mitch when he got to UK years ago. And he didn't want to talk about basketball. He didn't want to talk about football. He wanted to talk about soccer. He wanted to talk about the tennis program. And what I love about him is I don't know, I don't know when he gets to do any of his work because he goes to the non-revenue sporting events. He gets to know, you know, these, these tennis players and golf players and, you know, softball players that are living in relative obscurity under the auspice or under the covering of basketball and football. And he knows them by name. He, and he puts a lot of effort and a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of money in some non-revenues. And, and so I love that, that article. Well, I'll tell you what, this, this spring uh, when, you're, uh, when basketball is starting to wind down and you're looking to promote some of the non-revenues, I can hook you up with a couple of U.K. golfers because they used to play at Juniper Hill with me. All right. So <laughs> there I am. Yep, you know, that's what happens when you've got to play golf. I know. Well, listen, I, guys, I love you both, and I've got to run and have a great rest of the podcast. Well, we thank you so much for giving your time, and we thank Johnny, and you all have a safe journey to New York. Thank you. And uh, New York and will never be the same. <laughs> no, it won't. So. Well, we hope it will be, but we hope to have a great time and getting, getting to hang out with some of our BBN family up in, uh, up in New York. So you all have a great rest of the day, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you, Cameron. Oh. I just feel like I did take a big, deep breath. Tim <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny, and we experienced that a little bit at the Christmas party. They are insane when they are together, and I love it. Well, I said, we've, we've got uh, uh, Cameron went over just a little longer than we anticipated, so we got 30 minutes left. We still have a book to give away. We've got to get one more quick break in here. We'll make it about a 90-second break. We'll come back and... Uh, You'll still be listening. Don't forget, we do have the book to give away. I know there's uh, people have tweeted, so they've got the number ready, 646-716-4741. And uh, like I said, this is Big Blue Views, and we'll be back in about 90 seconds.
And welcome back to Big Blue Views. We're going to finish up our uh, final segment here. We have had, uh, 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 wow, this has been a really fun, exciting night. I tell you what, uh, Jay Williams brought just tons of great stuff. I think some really great perspectives on how, you know, he got to expand on his thoughts on the cats. So, so no, Big Blue Nation, Jay doesn't hate UK. He's just pointing out we've still got some room to grow. We absolutely do. And before we get too far in, I don't know if I hope everyone was uh was on whenever our new intro came out. Uh we were so excited to get that. Just something different and fresh and new. Um and I want to give a big thanks to Carmen Legato uh at Fiverr dot com. Uh if you if you need an intro or voiceover artist for anything that you may need, um shoot me a message at XKS with X on Twitter either tweet at me or just send me a DM, and I can get you the information to get with him because he is amazing, he is affordable, and he is so professional. It was it was a great experience all around. So big thanks to Carmen Legato and, uh, and Fiverr.com for hooking us up with our new intro. Oh, and when the show goes off, don't, don't you know, when we say goodnight, hang on to the end because we have a new closing, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He did an excellent job with that as well. So, yeah, the, the interviews tonight, we're off the chain. Um, this has been the easiest uh, radio show we've done yet, Michelle. We just sit back and listen, especially with Cameron and Johnny on. Oh, no kidding. Uh, which which means we haven't even gotten a chance to tell anybody about our, our new little weekly thing that we're adding, which uh, it, it's a very brief thing. It's uh, Chris and I have uh, talked in between shows saying, you know, that you know, we've you've gotten used to our rants each week, but sometimes we just got a one-sentence thing about something that we really love and something we really hate, not enough to get into just a whole big full-blown rant. But uh, we decided we might just share with you our, our weekly loves and hates. Right now we're kind of just calling it into it and over it, what, what we're into right now and what we're just more than over and uh, if you like this segment, that that's great. Maybe you can come up with a catchier name than we did. But right now, uh, I'll tell you what I'm into this week. I am into the Monmouth Bench celebrations. I normally don't get into that, but they are so clever and so entertaining. I just think that's the greatest stuff that's hit college basketball in a long time, to watch the Monmouth Bench and how crazy they get when something goes wonderful. Well, I am so over. I am over this thing that has hit, especially on social media in the last year. It's gotten out of control, and that is using the word "beast" as a verb. You don't <laughs> beast anything. Nothing has been beasted. That is not a word. Please, what's the? Can, can we come up with something? You want to say somebody killed a workout or, man, he just absolutely killed that? We understand that. Beasting, it's not a word, people. It's not a verb. Beast. It's a noun. Use it properly. (laughs) Well, mine may not be as original as yours, but it's just a couple things I came across this week, and I think we've probably been over them. But what I'm into this week is aggressiveness with these players. I have seen it with, of course, Tyler Hewlett and with Scal. Um, I've also seen it in some other games where you actually see players pushing, not maybe physically, but demanding greatness out of other players. And you see these leaders step up 
And I really think, especially with um, the one-and-dones and the two-and-dones and things like that, that's that's what we need in the sport to make it great again, people actually caring. And that aggressiveness over this week is overreactions. There is so, so many times this week on social media I've seen people overreact, whether it be to a loss, whether it be to a comment. It's just people are are just they're overreacting, especially to our team whenever they have so much time to grow. Listen, I know they're not where they need to be in March, but guess what? It's not March, so we got time. Calm down. Let them grow. And let's try not to be so sensitive. I, I, I tend to agree with both of your things there. <laughs> so there you have it. You know what I'm into, what I'm over, and you know what Kristen's into and what she's over. And obviously you can always tweet out to us what you are into or what you are over. And we'll, if we, well, heck, we wouldn't have to like it. We'll probably share it on the show because that's what we do. The show's about the fans. But I guess we got to get a little basketball talk in here at some point. I mean, we had, we had that great uh, second half against Arizona State. Oh, it was that was that was so comparable that second half to what happened at Duke. They just that was the team that we have been waiting and dying to see since the Duke game. I think, and, and we got to, uh, and I'm seeing now a more consistency. I guess from the second half of the EKU game and all of the Arizona State game, although he uh, did have to sit for a while in the first half because of an injury, which thank goodness, and that's Alex Poitras and. He did not practice today, and he's not going to practice tomorrow, but they said that is more of a precautionary step than anything. And and let's face it, Alex doesn't have to be out in practice every day to be motivated or to do the freakish things that he does. I think we all took a collective breath and sigh of relief whenever Alex came back after halftime and was warming up with the players because we know how instrumental he is to this year's team, this team's success this year. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, of course, that's going to be an extra long week for us because we don't get a, a game during the week. Matter of fact, our next game is the one that we've talked about, the big, big event in New York City this weekend. And Saturday when we take on Ohio State, I think when I first saw the schedule, I was uh, a little bit weary, saying, well, we're going to take a young team up there. I mean, you know, obviously we had to deal with Duke on a neutral court, but Ohio State is typically a more physical team than what Duke is. So that was a little bit of a concern, but I've seen Ohio State play now, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really not so concerned. I mean, I'm not going to say we, we, we have to – be focused, obviously, because anybody on any given night can win. But uh, I, I think that it, it things would appear to be in our favor for a, a fairly comfortable victory this weekend. Sure. Ohio State is not playing well. I think they have more talent than what they're executing. But as long as they keep playing at their level and we keep playing at ours, especially what happened in the second half of the OSU game, or I say the ASU game, the OSU game should be no problem. And then after that, we have what, Louisville, the day after Christmas. That would be the next game? Uh, yeah, and that will be the day after Christmas. And I'm thinking maybe it should be like last year when Patino got ran over by a reindeer. Uh, oh, yeah. And this year, I mean, a wildcat. What am I yeah, saying? This year. It, <laughs> 
was about to say, uh, last year, Patino can get ran over by a wildcat because he did last year. And, uh, well, even though Louisville is better than I assumed they would be, um, I really think that uh, Kentucky's going to handle them no problem at all, especially if they're up. I mean, listen, Louisville and Rick Patino is not winning at Rupp. That's just all there is to it. No, and the thing is, you know, as we've seen since Cal's been here, there have been years that Louisville looked to be very formidable, and with the exception of the one year, the 2012-13 season, and and that happened to be the year that U of L won the the championship. It, it doesn't matter what they are on paper. They, it, it, it there seems to be a thing with Cal and his uh, dominance over uh, Patino, and that's just how it goes. But I think we've got a caller on. I bet you they heard the key phrase. Let's see here. You are on Big Blue Views. Hello, Michelle. Hi, who am I talking with? It's Jessica. You did it. All right. It's Jessica Brown. I love it. You're the first caller. How are you? Well, great. And you've just won a copy of One and Fun. Woohoo! I'm so excited. I'm so glad I got to tune in tonight to hear you all. We're so glad you called. Now, after the show's over, do me a favor. And uh, okay. if I'm not following you on uh, from the Big Blue Views page, um, just shoot me a D or a, a sorry tweet at me. I'll follow you. You get me your address, and we'll get you the book. Sounds awesome. Thanks, ladies. Well, before you get well, off the phone, please tell us what you think about this year's squad. Um, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> it's it's real tough. Um, I'm enjoying the process. And I think it's a process. Um, they've just got a lot of learning and a lot of growing to do. And we just have to back them and do what we can to support this team. They've got a lot of growing to do, but they'll get there. I agree. Well, I tell you, we are so excited that you were able to listen to us tonight and I am that too, you lady. paid special close attention to our buzz phrase, even though I screwed it up. <laughs> I, I had it. I had it going. I was waiting for it. Oh, well, oh I just sitting here in my head going, yeah, but I got run over by a wildcat, and then as soon as it came out of my mouth, reindeer. I was like, oh, man, I, I could mess up a one-car parade. <laughs> <laughs> Good jeez. Well, you ladies are doing a fantastic job, and I'm glad that I got to uh, listen to you all, and I'm glad I got to tune in and and speak a little piece. But fantastic oh, job, ladies! Thank you so much, and we hope you we hope you turn in, tune in next week and uh, and tell your friends. We have a good time on here. I will, I will, I will be tuning in from now on. Now that I got my app up and going on my tablet. All right, thanks, Jessica. Thanks, thanks, thanks Jessica. Night, congratulations. Thank you, ladies. Well, that was that was Jessica Brown, and she's a uh, she is a, occasionally uh, at the football games, so I get to tailgate with her from time to time. So no, there was no fix. It's the first time she's ever called into the show. Just just, <laughs> just wanted to clarify that. But Jessica Brown is the big winner of one and fun. 
Yeah, we were we were kind of talking about uh, earlier when we did a little bit of show prep about what we would do if Mike from Pennsylvania was to be the first person to call. <laughs> oh, exactly. And speaking of which, I haven't seen his number pop up tonight. Well, if you are listening, Mike, you feel free to call. We enjoy your insights. You might as well be a weekly contributor. <laughs> But while we're waiting on uh, if any other callers like Mike or anyone else who'd like to speak their piece, because we got about 15 minutes left in the show, I want to talk about um, something hilarious that happened on social media, or actually happened on Twitter this week. It was um, between Cash Daniel, Landon Young, and Drake Jackson. If their names sound familiar, it's because they should. They are all 2016 commits. They are all playing offense. For our cats next year, and they are all highly talented. And there was this really cute exchange where, in an attempt to be um, Cash Daniel, in an attempt to be uh, give the Big Blue Nation some uh, excitement for next season, posted a photo of him standing in the end zone, um, his back to the camera, and his shirt said something to the effect of, "And when I arrive, or when I come, I will arrive violently." Which was, you know, I think everyone on uh, on Twitter loved that because that's exactly what we need to hear because I don't think we've seen that uh, mindset this year. We needed to see that. Uh, we we want to see that violent. Um, Aggressiveness. Aggression. There we go. So he does this in an attempt to, you know, bring us some hope. So he does that, and directly after he does that, uh, Drake Jackson asks him, bro, when are you going to give my little sister her shirt back? I guess they're making fun of him because the shirt was too tight. And then Landon Young says, get a bigger shirt. You don't even lift. So here he's trying to do something great, and he is absolutely getting pummeled by his friends here. And Cash tells them to quit hating. And then um, Landon says, you aren't even violent. So, And then directly <laughs> after that, um Drake Jackson tweets a picture that I'm sure, I'm sure was supposed. You know the thing about Snapchat. Of course, it's a screenshot thing, but it's, you tweet a, or you snap a picture that you don't necessarily want people to keep forever, just look at and kind of laugh and forget about. Well, they screenshot a picture. Cash Daniel dressed as a woman. He has balloons up his shirt to make him look like Dolly Parton. And I'm not sure what's in the back of his pants, but it makes him look like um, Medea. So anyway, are, are we saying baby got back? <laughs> baby got back. I mean, Cash Daniel has got back in this picture, and to that, uh, Cash Daniel, all he can say is, "I swear, I hate you guys." <laughs> so, I'm, I, and that is a feel good thing because if you see that kind of camaraderie and and that kind of that that's a bond that's developing before they have even arrived to, to have their first practice together, and and that has to be. I mean, team unity has not exactly uh, been the greatest thing we saw on the football field this year. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> and for another feel-good, uh, well, at least it made me feel good because I, I think this year that Patrick Tolles took a lot more, he just took a lot of crap that I don't think he should, that should have been dealt his way. I mean, he, he was by no means perfect, and he had plenty of flaws in his game, but Nobody will will ever be able to say that he did not handle himself with total class 
and being very respectful and supportive of his teammates, even when maybe they weren't treating him the same way. And Tina Cox, uh, which we hear us bring her name up all the time because she writes with us at Cameron Mills, but she's also a regular contributor at Vault's Views. So I would tell you to go to vaultsviews.com because Tina put a story up about Patrick Tolls today that you know, now that Patrick is is transferring, you know, she, she explains the love that he had for the University of Kentucky and how this was his dream. Oh, excuse me. I don't know what. I think a bug just flew in the back of my throat. <laughs> yeah. I felt something at the back. Yeah, anyway. I don't, well, who knows what the temperature's at 70 degrees the last two or three days. Probably why I got in. But anyway, all the things, the adversity that Patrick dealt with and and how he never once failed to act with class. And it, it's a it's it's a short article, but it's one that that you, you just can't help but feel some love for Patrick Tolls. And she's just asking people that, you know, he he gave his all to Kentucky. Maybe it wasn't enough or or good enough for the SEC, or maybe it wasn't just good enough for the fans. Who knows? But it's a it, it's a good time to just support him. And let's do nothing but wish him the best wherever he goes because I think that young man has more than deserved that. Absolutely. He was even at the, I believe it was the EKU game, and he is decked from head to toe in blue, and he's sitting not in the back somewhere. He's sitting in a very prominent seat where all can see. And even the uh, student section there uh, in the eruption zone gave him a, a round of applause. And he is he's a classy kid who – I mean, you may not miss his football talents, but you are going to miss his class, and you're going to miss the respect he commands just for being who he is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. We have got uh, just 10 minutes left in our show. If you want to call in about anything, if you want to tell us about what you thought about our guests tonight or uh what you think about our music, our new artwork on our Avi for crying out loud. I mean, I love that. Listen, this has been a breakthrough night for Big Blue View. We had not only one amazing guest, but two amazing, well, actually three. Three. Three amazing yeah. guests tonight. Yeah. We had Jay, we had Cameron and Johnny, who they all knocked it out of the park. It made tonight so easy for us. And then we have our new uh, artwork, our new avatar. Uh, actually, um, that's another fiver job that I got done uh, for us here at Big Blue Views. So that's awesome. And then we have the new music. So I mean, it's kind of been a revamp for us. I hope this interjects new energy and maybe brings us some new listeners and some new callers. Give us a shout, 646-716-4741. Or, of course, tweet us at Big Blue Views. we got about nine minutes left in the show. We'd love to hear from you. And, and and I'm going to go on, and since nobody is on the phone line right now, I will go on a little mini rant. And that is, I, I just want people to lay the heck off of scowl. This word, kid, word. Preach. I mean, preach. I, yeah, I'm going to preach on this one. I think that people forget just because that he was projected as number one pick in the NBA for, for, for next year. But, well, I say next year. I do mean in 2016. Because of that, somehow or the other, everybody's got this mindset that he's supposed to be NBA-ready right now. And as Jay so aptly pointed out earlier, the, the NBA projections 
are very often based on potential, not necessarily that player's performance at this particular moment. And another thing that people tend to forget is Scal was not like a lot of our other players, our, our other one and dunners that have come in that have been playing AAU circuits for years and have been in highly competitive high school basketball situations. Scal basically played what might be the equivalent of a church league team last year. He did not have a lot of talent around him. He has got a lot, an enormous amount of talent. But to learn how to take that talent and translate that into the college game, not only into a college game, but a college game at the level of Kentucky when you're talking the best of the best. So don't think that Scal's not trying, that Scal doesn't care, and that Scal can't get there. I mean, everything that I've heard about this young man, and uh, Dylan Pulliam was Jennifer Palumbo's co-host on This is Kentucky Basketball this week. She had asked him to talk about Scout, and the thing he said, and this just stuck with me, he said, as talented as he is on the basketball court and as many skills as he has to be a success in the NBA down the road, he's an even better person, that he's got a huge heart, that he cares about people genuinely. And he goes, and that's somebody I would like regardless of how well he could play basketball. So I'm saying back off the scowl or you're going to be dealing with me. One thing that we have to remember about scowl is the things that he possesses that makes him so valuable, not only to Calipari and the Wildcats, but to the NBA, are things that you cannot teach. His footwork and the way that he moves whenever he's there in the post his, the, the way that he moves cannot be taught. Those are innate abilities. Those are natural abilities that really, they they just can't be taught. They can't be learned. You either have it or you don't. His shooting ability. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Shaq was around seven feet tall, and he couldn't hit the broad side of the barn from the free throw line. You're talking about Skyla Bissier, who can literally shoot from anywhere on the court. He has such a smooth, smooth shot, and he is very reliable at the free throw line. I think he's somewhere in the 80% range. So these things that you cannot be taught or you cannot learn, Scal already possesses. But toughness will come whenever he plays against tougher competition. And the rebounding, that will come whenever the toughness does. And those things can be developed. Like footwork cannot, like shooting sometimes cannot. The things that he's lacking can be developed, and I trust him in the hands of Calipari. Calipari can teach him those things and can get him ready. Here's for for one. Now, this, these came out before the ASU game, and I do not know if Chad, uh, Chad Ford has put out anything different. But even in Scott's lackluster performance up to before the ASU game, he was still number two in Chad Ford's mock draft. That goes to show you the NBA is not concerned about what he's doing now. They know his potential, and guess who else knows it? Calipari does. And I think I read today that Cal had uh, – he, he brought Scal over to his house to spend the night, I think, either last night or – I think it was last night. But it was just 
a way for him to show that he cared, that, you know, that yelling at him in practice or getting on him like that doesn't mean that, that Cal doesn't like him or that he has any doubts about his abilities. It's it's a necessary part of teaching. And uh, the reports that I've heard was that this, that, that sleepover, if you will, <laughs> the slumber party <laughs> was very beneficial that, you know, and, and that's, you know, we talk about, you know, kids being away from their families. You look at, you know, I mean, Scal is really away from his family. He, he's been through so much. I, I, yeah. I just don't know why we have to be so impatient and why we have to turn on our own. I agree. And that's one thing I had I've said in the article that I referenced earlier whenever um, being number five in the land is not good enough, is that Kentucky fans, the Big Blue Nation, they are not very good at giving grace and patience. And the one thing that we all need to just take a deep breath and remember is this team just needs to be really, really good in March. And as long as they're really, really good in March, we're okay. And this team has everything they need except for maturity that will develop between now and then. And we can make a deep run. I know Cameron says you can't expect to win the tournament every year. But this team, they have all the keys. We just have to be patient with them. Well, And and the other thing to point out, I mean, what's funny is, is I'll see somebody from a rival school and they'll say something about one of our players. And the big blue national just jump right up and, and and jump all over that person and defend the player and then they'll turn around during a game and say something ten times worse about the same player. And and my thought on that is why do you feel a need to trash our own players? We've got enough people out in the world that hate UK that'll do that for us. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? So anyway, yeah, I guess we have to, we we must be over a few other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we we got in a little. Oh, it's, well, we didn't take our own uh, personal rants, but we're both on the same page. And I think a lot of the Big Blue Nation is. I think you've got a a, a silent majority and a very loud minority, and uh, you know that's that's how it goes when you're in the Big Blue Nation. You take the good with the bad. Yeah, and. Like I said, grace and patience, that's uh, something that seems to be in short supply in the Big Blue Nation, and we could, I think that that's something that uh, we could all learn a lesson about. You know, that's a very important thing to have, and I think as fans, I mean, I know it means fanatic, but fanatic doesn't mean you have to be unreasonable, and I don't think it also means that because you're a fan of a team, you have a license for unlimited trashing of your team. Well, Michelle, I think we've had a fantastic show tonight. Again, I said this on Twitter. If you're on Twitter um, and you love Jay, tweet him a big blue thank you at at Real Jay Williams. And, of course, with Cameron and Johnny, it's at Cameron Mills with a Z and at Johnny Kitman. Let them know how much we enjoyed them tonight. No, absolutely, and we are so glad that you all joined us. We hope you'll be back next Monday night at 8 o'clock for more we Big Blue Views. enjoyed this episode of Big Blue Views. Actually, we're pretty sure you did because you're still here listening. 
Join us and the rest of the Big Blue Nation again for our next show for more University of Kentucky sports reports, more knowledgeable guests, and more in-your-face opinions from our Wildcat ladies, Michelle Brown and Kristen York. That's all for now. Good night and go Cats!